Lord, everybody. Amen. Need some Jeff Arnold preaching. Jeffrey is different. Amen. Isn't that something? Jeffrey said when he got saved. I hope you don't miss the list, the the lesson in that. I don't know um, if you missed the the message in that. He said when he got saved, everything was a sin according to the organization. Everything, every extracurricular activity you did, it was a sin. And and Jeffrey said, well, I just did what they told me to do. And then later on, he realized that some things that they told him isn't quite the things that are going on now. And what some people do, which I've seen, they get all worked up and they go all the way to the left now. I've seen it, that they came in and they was exposed to certain things and they're like, okay, okay, okay. And then later on, they see some different things and they said, oh, and they just go all the way to the left and think that it's okay to do anything now. And Jeffrey is trying to get us to understand that you got to keep your eyes on Jesus and get you to understand that if it's good for you, here, here, here is something that's important. If it's good for you and it has kept you safe and saved, even if people change, why do you need to change? Got to be smart and realize what I was doing when I came in the, 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 the kingdom of God and what some people taught me. And, and showed me it may not have been all the way according to the word of God, but I've taken that in stride. I've lived my life that way, and it kept me the whole time. And so the things that keep you, don't change them because you think, oh, it's not, it's that. I don't see that in the Bible, because that's what a lot of people are doing now. And I'm a big believer in the spirit of the rule that you're doing, not so much the rule. The spirit of the rule is important. And so many people are questioning the rule with the wrong spirit. The spirit of the rule is what's important. And you have to say, whether this is uh, exactly the word of God or not, if it was good for me and it kept me, I'm not changing now. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm not changing now. And that's a big thing I've seen. And I will just take, for instance, you know, what women normally wear. I see that's being changed with a lot of women now that was in church for a long time. And they're all, there's just a certain group of ladies that's saying, this is not important anymore. It just doesn't make good sense to me that it was okay then. The question always is if it's, you know, we can look at things two different ways. This is not important anymore. Then why change it? So some people say this is not important anymore, so that's why they change it. And I can look at it and say, if it's not that important, then why change it? Because you really don't know if it's important until you change it. Because some things that's going on in your life, it's going on, and you take for granted that it's working. And the only way you know it wasn't working is when you stop doing it. But when you stop doing it and find out that it was working, now you got to claw your way back to where you have lost out on. I don't understand it, man. I, I, I thought, well, we got 
saved that the Bible says we're no longer blind, but we see now. I thought when we got saved, the Bible says uh, we walk in the light now. But so many Christians that are supposed to be walking in the light, they're looking for something other than the light. We're making these changes like, okay, this is not important, so I might as well go. Well, what? Do you know what it was? I do things in life. You know, I told a story for the longest that before, some of you don't even know about this, but before you knew the drug that they call Love Boat, it had another fancy name, but we just knew it in the streets as Love Boat. Before you knew Love Boat made you take your clothes off and run around naked, before you saw anybody running around naked because they smoked Love Boat, you heard rumors about it. And some people, they either try it to see if it's true or try it to prove that they're strong. But even when I wasn't saved, I said, I'm not even going to give myself that, put myself in that place to, for anything to happen. Why don't we just put ourselves in a place to say, I don't want anything to happen. But we put ourselves in a place that something can happen. I'm like, come oh, on, man, we're living for God. Is it that difficult to to, to to wear certain attire constantly? Is it that difficult? Uh, the pain. Oh, man, I'm, I, I, I don't get it, man. I don't, I don't, I don't. Ah, ah, I just, I'm, I struggle with those things. I just don't talk about them all the time. I'm just, I just give you the word. But I just, I get so concerned about why is it so important? If it's, if it's, you know, why is it so important that we have to do this now? I just I just know when I'm trying to guard my salvation, understand this. There is nothing more significant in your life other than Christ than your salvation. That's not something you can play around with and then just take for granted that you can recover if something goes bad. There are some things, you know, uh, you know, I can save up my money and pandemic happened and I get hit hard and now I'm broke and don't have any money I can recover one day there I can, I can my car can be a total loss and the insurance don't want to pay for it I can recover from that I don't want to take a chance with my soul and think that I can recover from that because I, I don't know if I'm going to recover from that and people are just taking their soul their salvation for granted like they can recover from it even if they make a mistake how do you know you're going to recover from it? Because this is eternity that we're talking about. I don't know. I just, I just think I, I just, it's just too much of this stuff, man. It's too much of this stuff in us thinking that what's the big deal? Why do we? And I'm just like, are we missing this? Old time people, um, probably one of them soon. But old time people used to always say, Easy come. Why don't we get these things? Like, if, if your salvation is so easy, then it's not that valuable. If your salvation is so easy, trust me, that salvation you have ain't valuable. Because nothing that's worth anything, nothing that's valuable is easy to attain. Nothing. If it's easy to attain, then guess what? It don't have no value because everybody can get it. So don't play your salvation like, oh, this is no big deal. Are you kidding me? Don't let 
your salvation be like it's no big deal. Because when your salvation becomes no big deal and however you look is no big deal and however you carry yourself is no big deal, then you don't really have salvation. I'm sorry. Because it's not, it's no value in it. I tell you all the time, let's look at the royal family. You think they want to dress the way they dress all the time? I'm sure there's kids growing up like, why we got to ride around in a suit all the time? Do they come out of the house without a suit? But I'm sure they question it, and later on they realize the value of why they're doing it. So until you realize the value, just do it anyhow. You may never realize the value why you do certain things as a Christian. Just keep doing it till you realize the value. But don't stop doing it and you don't realize the value of it. Because we're making decisions and we still don't know the value behind why we were doing it to begin with. Let's stand and let's pray. God is good. Amen. I'm probably old school and y'all young school people are probably saying, ah, preacher, that's, you don't understand. But I guess I'd just be this way until one of y'all young people take over. Y'all can do whatever y'all want when y'all take over. But as for right now, this is, how the, this is how old school preacher talk about it. Can't be letting go of this stuff, man. And I'm not trying to be like everybody else. As a matter of fact, I want to be so different that somebody going to say, why you got to? I want you to come see me and say, why you got to be different? Because I'm special. I'm a child of God. I'm peculiar. I'm royal. What do you mean by why I got to be different? That's why I'm different. Now, you can be like everybody else if you want, but I'm going to be different because I'm a child of God. So let the, look the way God wants you to look so they come and question you. If nobody questioning you, why you got to be this way? I ain't never seen you leave the house just kind of just like, some sweatpants and a t-shirt because I'm not regular like that. You're right. You're never seeing me in the street in sweatpants and t-shirt. I go to the gym and I got on a jacket, not a suit jacket. <laughs> I, but catch me at the gym and see how you see me. I got full sweatsuit on, sweatsuit, long pants, long sleeve shirt under my sweatsuit, and then got a sweatsuit jacket zipped up. Don't think nothing of it. And anybody want to look at me, aren't you hot? Nope. And plus, I want to be hot because I want to sweat a little bit. That's why I went there, to sweat a little bit and, and burn some stuff off. So, no, I'm not afraid. So all you that want to go in your muscle shirt and your shorts, go ahead. Because you want to be like everybody else. Go ahead. All the ladies that want to go in there, what, what y'all call them, Lululemons and all this stuff, and all your stuff because you want to, you want, go ahead. I am not being like everybody else. Talk about me all you want. I am not being like everybody else. Let me show up and they say, what's up with him? I'm a child of God. I'm not like you. And if you want to know about Jesus, come see me. But if you want to, but all those people that look like you can't tell you about Jesus because you and them ain't no different. Don't get me started here tonight because that's just the, that's my issue, man. Yes, sir. Go ahead, sir. That's what's going on because a lot of people are just changing how, and I'm just like, 
you know what we're doing right now? You know how I see us living? Christians, I'm talking. I ain't talking about everybody. We think the more of the word of God we know, the more spiritual we are. And I feel like that's what's driving a lot of people's religion, what they know. And so if you look at what I know, then you know I'm saved. I want to go back to those men and women that barely could read. Because they, they live this thing. Let me be. Let me don't have all of this intellect. I don't want all that intellect. It makes it make you all corrupt and messed up. Most people, not everybody. But when you just don't know a whole lot, you just live out the little bit that you know to the best of your ability <laughs> by the power of the Holy Ghost. And all those people, you know, you think about the Johnny James of the world and the Elder Davises of the world that, you know, they, they just in the word, man. And these people that didn't barely know how to read, they just in the word. And here we are today. We're brighter than ever. We're brighter than ever. But now is when we're relaxing everything because we, 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 we smart. So we can see why some things aren't necessary anymore because we're smart. Well, let's talk to the Lord and start our Bible study. Jesus, we love you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, have your way in our hearts tonight. Have your way in your house tonight, Lord God. Draw us nigh unto you, O great God, that, Lord, we can be close to you, Lord, for if we're not close to you, we will be deceived and we will be drawn away by our own lust and our desire and by worldliness. But if you will draw us nigh unto you, we will be overshadowed by your presence and overwhelmed by your love. And, Lord, we will not see anything but you. Help us, almighty God, to look to you and to be focused on you, to be consumed by you, Lord God, and your word, oh God, to be the authority in our life. God, help us tonight to keep the faith in this hour, to walk by faith in this hour, to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, to not allow compromise to set in. Help us tonight, almighty God, that we may live the life of Christ that is pleasing unto you, that we will not just look for a life that is easy, a life, almighty God, that is like everybody else, but we will live by faith faith, by the word of God, in righteousness, in trusting you, and Lord, doing what pleases you, oh God. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Have your way, oh great God. We thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight for the gathering of the body of Christ. We thank you tonight, Lord, for meeting us here tonight. Oh God, bless your people. That something will take place in our soul where the spirit of God will work mightily and miraculously in us Lord God and we will leave this place changed, healed restore and whole have your way tonight oh great God we give you praise and honor and glory but there is none like you there is none like you there is none like you oh we thank you tonight oh great God in the name of Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. Church, you may be seated. Embrace. Embrace being not like the world. We're getting ready to go in a new building. And we are going to be different. It's too much of the same and too much of the same that we're saying we're Christians, but there is no power. We're just trying to get involved with things that just work to our comfort and things that make us all fit in and things that there's just everybody is saying this is it. But we know that that's not it. When you read the Bible, it's different. It's different. And we have to hold on to righteousness and holiness. We have to hold on to being separate from the world. We have to hold on to those things. We can't be like everybody else. We can't wear everything everybody else wears. We can't look like everybody else looks. We have to be a people that are separate from the world. He said that we must be like him. We cannot look like everybody else. We have to present our bodies living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is our reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We can't just be going along just to get along and ignore it. I tell it to you all the time. The worst thing that can happen to any one of us is to be in the house of God, participate in the things of God, and think that, guess what? Jesus is coming, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm going to heaven. And then you realize that you've been lost. That is not good. And that's what I don't want to happen to any one of us, is to think that we're good when we're not good. God will not say, Lloyd Sharp, you live just above and beyond what I wanted you to do, so I, I, I need to put you on time out for a little bit. That's not how God does it. God is not punishing you for going above and beyond. So why are we trying to just do the very little, the least that we can do to sneak right in? Why are we doing that? And then kind of just, you know, kind of dress it up to saying, well, you know, back in the day, they were just doing something that wasn't, mm, that wasn't necessary. Because that's what we're telling ourselves, that what they did back then wasn't necessary. And remember what I told you. If I didn't say anything that you took in just in the last few minutes, you won't know if it's necessary until you stop doing it. But when you stop doing it and realize it was necessary, something would have happened and you would have lost something. That's, that's, that's the dice you're rolling. That ain't really necessary. I know the old school thought this was important, and they kind of preached that and wanted you to do that, but that wasn't really necessary. And so you tell yourself that, whoever the preacher is that's preaching that, and so, you know, you get a bunch of people that's saying that's not necessary. And then the time comes where you realize, whether it's a few months down the road or a year or two down the road, you realize something is different in my life. And you can't put your finger on it. And later on, you come to realize you had changed something that you thought wasn't necessary. You changed. And now this is where you are because you changed from that. 
We're still in the book of Acts. We're doing our book of Acts studies. And um, last week, where did we left off? We left off last week in talking about the response. The response. When you hear the preaching of the word, when the word has come forth, when you have heard what thus saith the Lord, what is your response? And we talked about that a little bit. And one of the main things that I hope that I got across to you is that every time we come together in the house of the Lord and we're hearing the preaching of the word of God, we must receive the word of God. In Hebrews 4 and 2, it said to us, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So the gospel is being preached to everyone. That's what we talked about toward the end of our lesson, that the gospel is being preached to everyone, right? But the word preached did not profit them that just listened. The word of God didn't profit those that just heard it. The word of God only profit those that heard it in faith. And faith move you to do something about what you've heard. So if we don't receive the word of God in faith, then we just heard it and it won't have any impact in our life. And that is a big challenge for us is what is our response to the word of God? This is why the altar becomes so important that we figure because we not maybe because we figure we not. You know, in some place where, you know, Sarizer and, you know, you know, you, you got steps where you can come and kneel and all that stuff. You feel like this ain't no altar. Wherever you determine to make an altar is an altar. If your bedside, you determine to make it an altar, then that's now an altar. If, if your car is where you decide to make an altar, then that's now an altar. Come on and help me, somebody. If your living room is where you decide to make an altar, that's an altar. Guess what? M my bathroom for many years was an altar for me. So it doesn't matter where you make the altar. You just make the altar. And when you come in the house of the Lord, you need to make an altar someplace in the house of the Lord. So when you hear the word, you respond to the word with faith. So... We go to Acts chapter 2. We're still in Acts chapter 2. We jump down to verse 42. The people had responded to the preaching of the gospel for them to receive salvation. And so now they have responded in faith by repenting of their sins, by being baptized in Jesus' name, being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. They have done those things because they had responded in faith. So after that, what proceeds? And so we're in Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, and it says, And they continued steadfastly, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. You know, I don't know. It didn't say they continued in the Protestant doctrine. It didn't say they continued in the Baptist doctrine. I can go on and on. It says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. And fellowship. And in breaking of bread. And in prayers. Verse 43 says, And fear came upon every soul, 
and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. I'm going to tell you something. Hopefully I can't get to that tonight. But a lot of people don't know why we come to the house of the Lord. We say we go to church. We know what we're saying. But the, the proper term is we go to the house of the Lord. So when in your mind you're saying, yeah, I'm going to church, just make sure you know the, 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 the proper way of addressing this. You can go ahead and say, I'm going to church because that's just what our tradition is that we say, I'm going to church. But make sure you have in your mind that you realize you're not going to church. You are a part of the church. You're going to the Lord's house. But what I like with this is when they got saved, when they when they were converted, it says, and all that believed were together. Believers, if we don't stick together, you're going to be pulled into the world and start to want to look like them. That's probably one of the, so just put a little highlight by that, little asterisk by that, because you're understanding sometimes why we are determined what's not necessary. And why we're determined that is because of the company that we keep. The company that we keep is determining how we look, how we function, the things that we do. And I see it. So if if a couple of your friends have determined, I don't think that's important. You might for a while stick around the people that thinks that's important. But the more you talk to these people over here, that's your buddies that don't think it's important. And the closer you get to them, the more you start deciding that eh, I agree with them more than I agree with them over there. And so this thing about living for God. Secret sauce that we might have overlooked for a long time. If we are believers in Christ, we need to be together. If we don't stay together, you're going to start to do things that's contrary to what we are supposed to be doing. And you're going to come up with all different reasons as to why you're doing it. But I'm going to tell you to your face simply and easily, you started hanging with the wrong people. I've been in the position that I've been in for many years at work. I just had this long, uh, I don't know, discussion with one of my managers. She said to me, I'm done with this girl. She's been absent too. She's been absent from work too many times. I just got to let her go. So I'm checking with you to see if it's okay to, for me to let her go. I said, you like the girl, don't you? Yeah. So why you want to let her go? Because I, I just can't anymore. She missed too many days. I said, sis, since I've been in this position and even before this position, every time we have employees that we feel like they're good employees, but they're, they're starting to have issues with attendance and all that, it's normally personal. It's never what's going on at the job. Don't kill her for what's going on at the job. Pull her to the side woman to woman and ask her what's going on personally that I can help you with to help you get to work. If she blow that off, then okay. Together we'll agree to let her go. But it's something personal why this is happening. That has never changed since I've been managing people. Every time employees are having issues with attendance 
having issues with their tardiness, even in outbursts on the job, whatever. It's always personal. It's who you are connected with that's driving how you behave. Take that to the bank. So if you don't want to hang with church people because I don't want to mess with no church people, sooner or later you're going to stop doing what church people do. Try to hang with the people that believe. If you and, and, and remember this now. You ready for this one? In every faith or, unfortunately, i got to say the word religion, there's different sects. There's the ones that you know they are sold out, dedicated to this. Then there's the one that's kind of loose. If you want to be strong, hang with strong people. Because there's people that still question Christian in name, but they're not strong. And when you get around them, you're going to start doing like them. So who you hang with, just like who you sleep with, is going to determine how you act. They had all things common. And because they had all things common, they were together. People who have like mind will be together. If we feel like we're not like minded, we're not together. You don't want to be around the people that are saved and sanctified and living holy and righteous. Then maybe you're not like minded like them. And so that's why you don't want to be around them. But you are going to want to be with the people that's kind of supporting how you feel. How you like. It never fail. When one person leaves the church, it's not just one that's getting ready to leave. It's going to be a couple more. Because they were talking. And they were connected together. And just one knew how some know how to hide a little bit better than some. But you can't fool the leader God has placed over the church. Leader always peep it. But, but because the leader is supposed to be a man of God, guess what? He don't give you a hard time. He don't tell you you're not right. He just keep praying for you. God, don't let it happen. God, intervene. And you try to show them as much love as you can. And in your heart as the leader, sometimes you know it's not going to do anything. But I don't do it for them. And no pastor should do it for them. It should be done because we serve the Lord. And the Lord says, you better love that flock that I've allowed you to, 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 to teach and lead. You better love them. And so no matter how badly you know, they're gone. This is not what they want. You still got to love them. But who you are around and who you spend your time with, that's who you're going to be like. They had all things common. They had all things common. Mm -hmm. And because they had all things common, verse 45, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Here is something simple just to look at that, 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 that verse right there. Simple, simple. It didn't mean everybody just got to sell their stuff and bring it to the church. That's not what it means. Just look at it from this standpoint. When we are together, we make sure we're all doing good. That, that's the only way to look at this text. As long as we're together, we're going to make sure we're all doing good. It's important to be with each other. 
Because if we're if we're with each other, even if you're not begging and saying, oh, you know, I need something because we're together, we can observe and says, let's go take your so and so. Let's go take your so and so. Let's send this for so and so. Let's give so and so a hug. Let's do this because we're together. We can feel it. It's the Holy Ghost and we can see what people are doing or not doing. And so we take care of each other. We need to be together so we can take care of each other. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. With all that going on, God working. So it tells you that it must be right. Because God was working in all of that. The word render gladly means freely, cheerfully, joyfully. It implies that they did have joy when they were offered this salvation. And I just would like to see more where we're excited to know we have this great salvation. Instead of thinking that, oh, man, you know, it's just rough. It's rough, but I need to get to heaven, so I just got to keep going. We normally look at things as how difficult it is and not. Jesus taught us something that we need to understand. Remember, I quoted the text to you this past Sunday that the Bible says he 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 didn't worry about the, 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 the crucifixion, the shame and all of that that came with it. He says, I'm OK with that. Because I'm looking ahead at the joy that it's bringing. I'm looking ahead and what it's going to do will give me joy. And so it's a valuable lesson as a Christian to learn that I can't worry about the here and now. I have to think about what this all will be about at the end. And when you compare what you're dealing with to what God promised we will experience at the end, there is nothing to compare. And so that alone should keep you just filled with joy. That alone should keep you being glad and happy and excited that, man, I'm not worried about this. I am okay because I know what's ahead. And what's ahead? Nothing is greater than that. That's how we need to live as Christians, focus on that. So now come back to all of some of the things that we're saying. Why is that necessary? Just don't worry about it. Just do it. Why? Because will it all be worth it at the end? More than worth it. It will be more than worth it to go through whatever you think. And to me, it's not even going through anymore. Because you do it long enough, it ain't going through. It's, it's just embracing and enjoying. They who become Christians do it cheerfully. They do it rejoicing in the privilege of becoming reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Listen, in your worst of days, just to know that you are now saved. Man, that's supposed to bring so much peace to you. So much peace that no matter what, I'm telling you, when you get saved, no matter how bad things get, all you got to do is think about that. And you're like, you know what? It'll be all right. It'll be all right. Because you know what? I've got Jesus. And my future is secured in him. Our readiness to receive the salvation of the Lord Jesus is always followed 
by our affirmative action and response to the preaching and teaching. Christ in the church, we need to respond to the preaching and teaching and not allow the preaching and teaching to just lodge in our brain as head knowledge. Head knowledge is not impressing. It's how you apply the word of God that's impressive. That's what's impressive, how you apply the word of God. After their miraculous conversion and transformation, the new believers continued in a new and radical lifestyle. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, developed community with other believers, and actively participated in prayer. Believers of Christ must pray privately and corporately. We must pray privately and corporately. So make sure you find time to pray privately. Just you and the Lord in your closet or wherever you want to make the closet. But also we need to pray corporately. And that's why we join in in our morning prayer. And on Saturday evenings at 630, we're praying corporately. So we have times where we're praying corporately, which is together. And we have times where we're praying by ourselves, just us and the Lord. That is what believers are supposed to do. We don't just do one or the other. We have to do both. Miraculous and unexplainable events brought about a deep sense of fear. That's what the Bible says. And fear came upon them. That fear means reverence or awe of who God is and what he can do. The grace of God brings salvation. But like everything else in the word of God, until we obey doing it, we will not experience the impact of it. As I was going through and studying and just just trying to glean from the word of God, you know, today, the text in Matthew 7:24 came to mind. That's a sermon all by itself, but I think it still is warrant or it's, we weren't looking at it because it really is something that needs to be in our mind concerning the word of God. As I continue to talk about our response, watch this in Matthew 7 and 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, this is all in red. So Jesus is speaking and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon. You know, maybe that's part of what I was saying sometimes earlier without probably getting it out all to me. You, you don't know some of the things that you hear in the word of God. We probably try to decide whether or not we think that's important or that's not important. And so it's just kind of how we are as people. Yeah, that's important. I got to make sure I pay attention to that. And even preachers and teachers, we will say, now this is important. So we have this tendency as people to say, that's important. Let's make sure we key in on that. But in the word of God, it's all important. And and the thing about it is the Bible is telling us that when we do what the word says, we will be like a house built on a rock. And so all the challenges that will come in our life, we will be able to withstand them if we will do what the word said do. 
verse 26 says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a, when we hear the word of God and we leave and don't do anything about it, the Lord Jesus, your savior, the one that died for you, the one that loves you, say you're foolish. Don't say I said it. Jesus said, we are foolish when we hear his word and we do not do them. And then he went on and says, we're foolish and we're like a man which built our house upon a sand. You ever walked in sand? I can't even imagine building a house on a sand. <laughs> Can you imagine? All I got to do is just get some water and throw under it. <laughs> Your house is built up on the sand. Just throw some water on it. And all of a sudden the sand starts removing itself and then the house starts falling. Verse 27, then the rain descended and the flood came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. That's all about when we hear the word of God, if we do it or we don't do it. And unfortunately, we just kind of take the word of God for like, OK, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. You know what I would like to do? Pray for me about this. I struggle with just giving you one little portion of scripture and just talk about that for the entire message and just leave it right there. So you just worry about just that or how I usually minister because how I normally minister, I, I guess I give more than just one point. And sometimes I, 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 I walk away from service and I said, maybe that was just too much stuff. And I battle with that because in my mind, I just want you to do what God says. And I feel like maybe sometimes I give you too much and you can't do anything. And you're just like, that's too much. And you end up doing nothing. I don't know. I mean, the smart thing to do is, you know, when you're hearing, you know, you grab something and you said, I'm going to hold on to this and you practice that. But maybe, you know, you're just somebody that just you just need to be focused on one thing. I don't know. Pray for me about that. See what the Lord will do. We cannot be added to the church until we obey the teachings of Acts chapter 2, verse number 38 and 39. We obey the plan of salvation by doing what it tells us to do. So we can only be saved if we're part of the church. And so the question always is, are you a part of the church? Here is, here is, What's important for us today? For many of us, huh, for many of us, we have learned that we must be born again. And we have come to the place where we have heard enough teaching that you must have faith, you must repent, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We understand that. But here is something that I'm seeing. We think that after we do that, we're good to go. And so we kind of tend to become loose after that. Because in our mind, I've done what, it re what is required of me to be saved. But you know what we just read tonight? And they continued. <laughs> That's what we read tonight. It didn't say after they were baptized and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, they went back to their house. 
They just started hanging out. They just blended in with everybody else. They didn't go off some other place like, yeah, girl, I went up to the church and got saved. I'm good now. That's not what we read. It said they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine and in fellowship. Right. They had all things common. So when you get saved, it means you continue in the way that God has commanded you. The scripture is there so we now understand when we go to the house of God and we become born again and saved, we need to hang and be with the people of God and continue with them. We don't go back to hanging with the people we left to go into the house of the Lord. And today we're seeing people that walked away from that world, came in and got saved. And because they weren't living the life that Christ designed for them to live, they didn't see the fruit that they were supposed to see. So they get frustrated and they leave the house of God to go back out. But all along, all along, all along. Our heart wasn't right even when we got saved. This is why the Lord calls some of us out sometimes is because we we might be going through the motion of living the life. But the whole point in time, even when we got baptized, we got baptized because we thought we might be we might get caught. You feel like you were going to get caught or you felt like your life could end. And so in your mind, I need to get saved. And so you went to the church to get saved. And after a while being in the church, you realize, okay, okay, well, my life is okay. I'm not going to die. My life is okay. Okay. What I thought was going to happen is not going to happen. And so you, 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 you slowly but surely start drifting back to where you was coming from. Heart was never really in it because you really got into it to escape something. It's one thing to try to get into the kingdom of God to escape something. But it's another thing to do it and stay that way. God don't have a problem with you running to him because you're trying to escape something. But after a couple of years and you're still living like you're trying to escape something and you're not making it about him, then he's got a problem with that. And some people have been in church a long time and they're still living their life trying to escape something. That's not the way you live for God. Your heart needs to change. Your heart should not be that you're doing this because you're trying to escape something. Because if that's how your heart is fixed, I am here to tell you, you might not escape what you think you're escaping. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ, not about us escaping something. And too many people are living for God, trying to escape something. This is why we can get to the place of compromise. This is why we can get to the place of saying that's not necessary and that's not necessary because we're trying to escape something. Are you living for God, trying to escape something? Or you're living for God because you love Jesus. Are you living for the Lord because you want to be the best version of yourself or you're trying to escape something? 
Are you praying because if I don't do this, I'm going to not be in good standings with the Lord? Or you're praying because you enjoy communion with God? Oh, somebody come on and help me here tonight. Because if we're going to make this thing and get to the place where God wants us to get to, it can't be because we're trying to escape anything. We're supposed to live for God because we've come to know him and we want to have relationship with him and we want to have fellowship with him and we want to be with him and we want to labor together with him because we want to help him with his burden and his heart's desire because he created us and he's looking out and says, look at the people that I created that I love. They're far away from me. Will you help me to gather my flock? Is that why we're living? Are we living for God for that? Or we're just trying to escape something? We're supposed to be in fellowship with the Lord when we become saved. That's the first thing that happens to a person that becomes born again. You enter into fellowship with the Lord. You enter into a relationship with the Lord. Uh, you enter into a family, which means when I enter into relationship with the Lord, whoever is his family, I'm a part of that family. It's a family thing when you get saved. And so we can't be talking about we saved, but we don't like church people. We got to realize because we don't realize it. You've got your quirks. You've got your flaws. Can you imagine if we just have a, we, we can't do this because this would just cause a mess. <laughs> Can you imagine if we all sat around and we just start telling each other what the problem is with them? So everybody can get even, but it doesn't make sense to do it because, you know, they're going to get up and says, please, that's what you think, because that's not me. So it won't work. But my point is, all of us need to know and understand and really understand that we've got flaws. And somebody's putting up with you. Somebody's treating you good, even though you're not always treating them good. So why are we going around and acting like, you know, we're God's gift and, you know, we're good. And how can somebody do this to me? Come on. Come on. We all got some issues here. The Lord is putting up with our issues. We're a mess. And he's putting up with us. So let's start there that God is putting up with us. So how about we put up with one another? Let's not even look at it as we putting up with one another. Just look at it as I love you, everything you got. I love you with everything you got. I'm not worried about it because what they said, the good outweigh the bad. And the good is your daddy and my daddy, we got the same one. That's the good that outweigh everything. Your dad is my dad. But we got to be together to do that. Let's jump down to chapter three. We've gone through chapter one and chapter two. What we took today is the fourth lesson. So we're on four weeks and we only in chapter three. That's okay. We need to study like this. We, we need to understand the book, especially the book that tells us about the church. Man, you better know what the church is supposed to be like. Because, huh. Uh, Preachers need to know what the church is about. 
The saints of God need to know what the church is about. Everybody needs to know what the church is about because we're doing all kinds of things about the church. And I'm just like, watch out now. Watch out now. Where do we find that in the book? <laughs> we're getting ready to start our connect groups. We find that in the book. Go look at Acts. They went from house to house. Tell you, when y'all get done with me, with all his faults and all of his flaws, that joke had never left the book. That's what y'all going to say about. Write that on my tombstone. With all his flaws and with all his faults, he never left the book. <laughs> that joker never left the book. Yes. Yes. I want y'all to remember that. Because here is the thing. Here's the thing. This book got me saved. And I'm not going to be an idiot and thinking that somehow I can now start going off on my own. It don't make good sense. This is all I know. So I'm not going to try to put anything before this. Because this is all I know. So in Acts chapter 3, we start a new, we, we leaving from that whole, the core values of the church. From Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, write that down someplace, core values of the church. That's how the church is supposed to continue to go. Everything that they did between Acts, after they're born again, verse 42 through 47 is telling you the core values of the church. So if you ever want to know if we have gone astray and we're not doing what we're supposed to do, go back to that and say, all right, let's see. Are we praying? Let's see. Are we fellowshipping? Let's see. Are we breaking bread? Let's see, are we worshiping God? Let's see, are we still in the word of God? Core values, go back to that. Don't mess that up. Don't miss that. Acts chapter 1 is, is, is we go through and we see, we get introduced to the writer of the book, Luke, and we're going through and then the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Ghost fell and man was baptized with the Spirit and, and, and that was the first time man was indwelled, was infilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We realized that there was always a sign that followed when men received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues, Right? That's what we have read there. And so we saw that in the first time it happened. We saw it as we continued. And so we see that uh, when people didn't know what the Holy Ghost, the infilling of the Holy Ghost was, then guess what? Peter began to preach to tell them what that was all about. And when they realized what it was all about, they responded. Right. And they got they repented. They got baptized. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and they continued steadfastly. And so that's how this thing has worked from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 2. So we're continuing. This is our Thursday night. Continuing. And so now we go to chapter 3. What is chapter 3 all about? We have an idea. We've been in the book before. And so it says in chapter 3, verse number 1, Now Peter and John went up together. Into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. What time was that, church? Ninth hour. Three o'clock. Make sure you got it. Three o'clock. Remember we told you how the Jews break up their days, 12 and 12. Right? So um, 
12 hours is kind of the time where you do nothing. You sleep, you relax, and 12 hours is when you do things. That's how they break up their day. So the first hour for them is, um, what is it, 6 a.m.? And, um, and they move through their day. So there's two times a day that they focus on prayer, uh, which is um, 9 in the morning, the third hour, and then here, the ninth hour. So they were going to the temple, corporate prayer. Peter and John went up together in the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. It is said that the apostles were continually in the temple praising and worshiping and praying unto God. And that makes sense because we go back to what we talked about was the core values. So we're getting ready to see the miracle at the gate of beautiful, but it came because they continued to hold to the core values. Prayer, apostles' doctrine, worshiping God, being together. That never changes. Uh-huh. So why do you go to the house of God? Remember I says, it's okay for you to say we go to church. We understand as Christian that you mean that you're going to the house of God. But if you have to say it the correct way, you say we go to the house of the Lord. But why do we go to the house of the Lord? People, this is a very important time to understand that. Because there are a lot of people didn't make it back to the house of God after the pandemic. Feel bad about it. I really wish there was something we could do about it, which we're trying our best. We go out and reach the lost. We do everything we can. We send out letters. We miss you and all that stuff. And, you know, nothing you can do about it. But a lot of people did not make it back into the house of the Lord. And whether they started hearing or the people that they were talking to, the people that they were closest to, was saying that wasn't all necessary to be in the house of the Lord because people realized they were home and they were able to watch and listen to different things. So they started saying that being in the house of the Lord was not that important. And I even know churches that are dwindling still today because people, even some that have come back, they've decided it's not that important anymore. So let me show you why it's important to come together in the house of the Lord. The first thing I'll tell you about not coming to the house of the Lord, remember what I've told you. Well, let me tell that to you after I tell you these three things. It's probably more than what I'm telling you, but hold on to these three things why you need to be in the house of the Lord. You need to come to the house of the Lord to be instructed together in the word of the Lord. Well, I can stay home and hear that. It's different hearing the word of God in one place together than us being in different places and hearing the word of God. There's a different synergy that works together when we are together hearing the word of God. Something different transpire as we're being taught the word of God together. So it's important to come together to hear the word of God, to be instructed in the word of God. It's important for us to come together. Remember, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, word of God. So there you go. Back to your core values. What's the other thing? We come together in the house of the Lord so we can minister to one another. Or if you want to call it, so we can serve one another. If you are at your house and I'm at my house and we plug into Zoom, I can't serve you. 
We come together to minister to one another, to serve one another. However you serve one another, that's called ministering to one another. You can't do that when you're home. You can't minister to someone in the house of God if you're at your house. So another reason why we come together is to minister to one another. Somebody say amen. Another reason, a third reason. You ready for the third reason? To collectively, now this one is very important, to collectively carry out the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ for this church. To collectively carry out the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ for this church. You see, when God establishes a church, wherever he establishes a church, he has a specific purpose for that church. There's a specific culture that is established in that church. And so God uses that church for a specific direction and to do a specific thing. So when we are together, God is bringing us together collect collectively to establish a work that we must do together. If you're not together learning together, you can't do it together. Understand this. We are more effective together than we are individually. The Bible says one could put a thousand, ten, two can chase ten thousand. So the bottom line is, obviously, it's effective. We are more effective when all of us are together working in one accord, doing the work of God. than if we decide you stay here, you stay here. OK, I'll just do this and you'll do that. That's not what God called us to do. It's important to come together. And here's the thing that I would just say about those three things. I just said to you why we should be in church. By not coming in the house of God. You are a selfish individual. By not coming to the house of God, you become a selfish individual. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm waiting for somebody to tell me I'm wrong. It's okay. You can tell me. If you think I'm wrong, tell me why I'm wrong. By you staying home and not coming in the house of the Lord, you have become a selfish individual. Because you don't understand that God put you in the body to be a blessing to somebody else. He didn't put you in the body so you can be for yourself. That's right. Brother Kellerman say, I'll say it differently, but if we had no light in this building and it was dark and the way we're going to worship is everybody have to bring their own individual light you will be able to see just a tad bit of the difference of what we're saying. So we all came here, it's dark, and everybody come with a candle. Count and see. The least amount of people, the darker it is. The more people we get in, the brighter it gets. You can't justify not showing up and tell God, well, God, you can't justify that. You cannot justify it. And I'm not beating your head and telling you you can't miss church service. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I am just saying when you have determined that it's not that important, because that's that thing that we're doing now. It's not that important that we come together in that building. You can't justify that. You don't have a biblical explanation for that. You have an emotional explanation for that, but you don't have a biblical explanation for that. Don't. 
because God brought us together so we can minister to one another. God brought us together so we can receive his instructions together because collectively we're going forward to do something. I'm going to stop right here. As a matter of fact, I will say this to you. When we started out our journey to say we're going to buy a property because we need a bigger space, we started out with the REACH campaign. And we said, hey, we want everybody to make a pledge. And as many people as made the pledge, the pledge was made, and we said that we would pledge all together, we added up the pledge, and it was like $176,000. That's what we had committed to give, all together, individually and together. $176,000. I'm rounding things off. To this day, we have given $196,000. That's awesome. And understand this. Understand this. The REACH campaign is for two years. So y'all going to have to hear my mouth a little bit. Not a whole lot when we get in the building, that we're still in the REACH campaign. <laughs> we are. We won't get out of the REACH campaign until October, end of September 2024. No, 2023. So we won't get out of it till then. And so that's the deal we had made together, that for two years we're going to be raising money for our REACH campaign. And so we still have a whole year to go after we get in the building to keep raising money because I don't plan for this church to have any financial weight or burden. We're going to do God's will and not have to worry about financial burden. So for the next year, we will continue our reach campaign because here's how it looks. And you might not think about it like this. You might have done your part. But what about all the people that we will reach that will be new in our church? Don't you think they want to have their part in it too? Don't you think they want to commit and give too so they can be blessed? Listen, I'm hearing the stories of people that have given and how they're being blessed because they have given. So let's we're supposed to want that for new people that are coming in, that they can join in and say, you all have a reach campaign going and raising money for this building. Sure. I want to be blessed. Let them give. You see what I mean by we can't be like like by not being together. We're being selfish. We want everybody to be blessed. We want everybody to experience the blessings of God. And so kudos to Christ Center Church for coming through in such a big way that we came up with $196,000 in less than two years. There are churches that's not even close to our size. Uh, as far as they just way bigger than us, that they don't come up with that kind of money that quick. So God has shown us favor. He has touched our hearts and he's blessing us. But it's because we're collective. We're together. We are together. Let's stick together. It's Bible. Let's stick together. It's the word of God. Let's continue in one accord in the word of God and doing what God wants us to do. It's the word of God. Don't be drawn away by being around people that want to just do the bare minimum. By you being, I told the leaders this last night on the leadership meeting, by you being in a part of this church, because I know what God has placed in me. By you being a part of this church, God see fit that he has called you to be a soul winner, a disciple maker, and a leader. That's what you are. Whether you know it or not, it's okay. I'm telling you, you are a leader. You are a disciple maker and you are a soul winner. That's why you're a part of this church. 
That's the kind of personality that God will bring in and develop in this church. That's what it's about. So you just have to know this is why we're here. And as long as we understand that, we will continue to go forward and do what God wants us to do. That's God's will for this church. So as we grow together, let's watch God do great things together. But we have to stay in the book. We have to live according to his word. And we can't be around people that's not like us. You can go around them and reach them. Be a witness. But I'm, not, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, you don't go around and try to hang with them. I'm around people all the time. I'm around people that I even work with that go to church. We can stand. We're, we're done. That, that people are that I work with. And guess what? They tell me all the time, what y'all do? Y'all different. The other day I'm talking to somebody at work and they're telling me, you know, some of y'all that's, that's in the know about certain things, you in the know. But I, apparently, they, you know, you all know the preacher that got robbed. They, they said he got a bishop ring. They stole his bishop ring and he had a bishop train. Y'all know, a bishop chain. Y'all know all about that. I don't want to know all about that. But when I go to work, I got to hear about these things, right? Because everybody Christian, right? And so they're telling me the latest that's going on with that. So I got to listen to everybody tell me the latest about what's going on. That's what we do at work. People, hey, these companies lose money when we go to work, but it's okay. Because when we stay home, we work. When we go to work, we talk all kind of crazy stuff. So hey, we, we gather in everybody's office talking about the dude with the bishop ring and the bishop chain. And, you know, how, you know the other day somebody walked in and, and two ladies walked in late. And he was like, well, I guess y'all going to have to preach. And, you know. Y'all don't know all this stuff, but these girls telling me about this stuff all the time. And so I'm listening to them. And so they're trying to figure out all of, you know, if the man is legit. This is what they're trying to ask me. That's what they do. Put me on the spot. So Wayne, is he really legit? Is he, do you think he, I said, I don't watch him. I don't know. They said, well, let me tell you about him. So you can tell us, tell us if he's legit. So I let them talk and talk and talk. And they, then they go off to different subjects and start telling you about other preachers. I said, let me tell you something. This is all I'm going to tell you. Any preacher or Christian that when they speak, they speak in a way that divides people. They're not legit. Hold on to that. Anytime you begin to differentiate in how you speak to try. No, I'm not talking about righteousness and unrighteousness. I'm talk, not talking about holiness and, un, and, and, and unholiness. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about when you're trying to address people and you're letting this group look like they're right and that group look like they're wrong, then you are not doing God's work. You stand on God's word and you don't go attacking no other groups or no other people. Anytime you got to attack groups and people, you're not doing the work of God. God don't divide. God is trying to bring us all together and be one people. So if you're speaking and you're dividing, then you're not legit. So that's how you know people that's legit and not legit. If they're speaking and they're dividing, they're not legit. Now, I'm not telling you they're not trying to get right. I'm just telling you they're not legit. And so that's what I told them to Mark. And so when I told them that, they, everybody, it just got quiet because they knew all the people that they're listening to, everybody's bringing their point of view, which means your point of view must be wrong. That, that's how you know. Everybody's bringing their, so when you bring your point of view, it means everybody else's point of view, that's not your point of view, is wrong. But when you say the Lord Jesus who loves us, that created us, this is what he wants for us. You no longer bring in your point of view. You're bringing his point of view. So any any time you hear people speaking in a way that separates, you just know. You don't have to say it out loud. You don't have to attack anybody. You just know, not legit. But when you hear people trying to bring people together, then you know, okay, that person is on to something.
Yes, sir. Yes. 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 And and you know, you know, you know, I always tell you that if you get involved in the soul business, which we all should be, that makes you do things differently. So I have sheep that's not yet of this fold, which means you can start looking at people and saying, they're going to be saved soon. Either they're not saved now. That's the kind of thing that you will have in you when you are doing the work of God. You look at people as what they can become and not where they are right now. And people that's looking at people and giving them a hard time where they are today, they're not doing the work of God. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for your word. Lord, however you led us tonight, we thank you for it. For, Lord, you're doing what you want to do. And I pray, Lord, that we will continue to humble ourselves before you, that we will humble ourselves before you, and that we will respond to you in complete submission, in obedience, and, oh, God, in doing what you have commanded. I pray that we will grow as a people, <laughs> that the love of God will be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost, and that we may live out this life that is holy and righteous, consecrated unto you, Lord God, that, Lord, we will not be disparaging to anyone, but, Lord, the love of God will always be what flows from us, Lord God. I pray that you will increase our faith, Lord God, and help us to grow as the children of God. Help us to be doers of your word and not just hearers only. Help us, almighty God, to stand on your promises and your word, almighty God. Oh, Father, I pray that as we continue to study the book of Acts, that none of the word that has been spoken will escape us, for we need it all, Lord God. We want to live by your word, Lord God. We don't want to, oh God, be drawn away by our lust of the flesh and lust of this world, but we want to be anchored in you, Lord God, living according to your word and living by faith, almighty God. Help us, Lord God, to be steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the word of the Lord. Father, strengthen this church. Help us to grow and to reach our world all around us, Lord God. Help us to be the church of the living God, consecrated, sanctified, righteous and holy, Lord God. That, Lord Jesus, there will be a difference, Lord God. That we will raise the banner of Christ and that those around us will know those are the people of God. For truly, they have truly lived out what the Bible says. And, Lord, we will not make ourselves out to be anything. We will not make ourselves out to be of any reputation, for we're sinners that are saved by your grace. Oh, God, it's only by your grace that we are here this evening and continue to live for you. We know it's nothing that we've done. We know there's nothing great about us. And so, Lord, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you and say, great God, have your way in us. Have your way in us. Have your way in us. Oh, God, bless this church and strengthen us. Bind us in unity of the Spirit as we give you praise and honor. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Build and fun give. Before you go, hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. Oh, don't forget, if you want to be a part of our Connect group, there's a sign-up sheet. Please sign up for the Connect group, what you would like to do as a Connect group. Make sure you sign up. Connect group leader, you know. Yes, sir.